Hi, I'm Natalia, and you're listening to Advanced Copy, a podcast for independent thinkers in fashion. Today, we're speaking with Desert Vintage, an example of a modern approach to vintage retail, a combination of refinement and distinct brand language. We meet Selima Bufeofel and Roberto Cowan to find out how back in 2012, as two young adults, they became the owners of Tucson's Desert Vintage Boutique. We'll delve into Selima and Roberto's individual stories, how they developed their exquisite curatorial taste, and learn about the opportunities for vintage retailers to grow through collaborations. Enjoy. Salima, Roberto, welcome to the Advanced Copy Podcast. And thank you so much for jumping on the phone today from Tucson and New York. I'm so glad that we're able to talk today across these three different time zones. And also you are the first vintage store on Advanced Copy. And it definitely feels like a really special moment. And I really can't wait to learn about your stunning store, Desert Vintage. And yeah, also to find out more about the vintage sector in general, since I really think it's growing so rapidly and in multiple interesting ways. But first of all, could you present yourselves to our listeners, telling us who you are and what you do? Well, my name is Salima Bufafel, and I am the co-owner of a shop based in Tucson, Arizona, called Desert Vintage. I buy for them. I help style a lot of our e-com shoots and wear a bunch of different hats as well. Hi, I'm Roberto Cowan. Um, I am the co-owner of Desert Vintage. I am the photographer and also stylist in the realm of our world. <laughs> before we jump into the story of the store itself, what was your life like before Desert Vintage? I was really, I mean, I still am, but I was studying history and I was studying a lot of uh, world history. I was kind of just like interested in a bunch of different things globally. Um, and I always had a vested interest in clothing. I started buying and wearing vintage clothing when I was like in junior high. And at the time it wasn't really as big of a business as it is now it was much more niche and like kind of run by a lot of smaller mom and pop shops and so i became very familiar and friendly with a lot of the owners of the shops and eventually i started doing costuming in high school and so you know they were really gracious and i would borrow a bunch of different clothing um for costuming and it was great. And that was really kind of my uh, introduction into that world. And they were also very knowledgeable, um, the shop owners and really helpful. So they kind of aided me in like my quest of learning about different historical time periods um, in relation to clothing and all of that. And Roberta, what about you? Was photography something you were always drawn to? 
For photography came to me later on. I've always been into fashion for as long as I can remember. It was always something that was in my world. Like my mom, you know, was always into clothing and growing up, she, you know, would take me on her, you know, shopping and all of that. And I was always the the go-to for an opinion. Um, but in high school, I, I is where I discovered vintage. I was voted like um, most likely to be a fashion designer because I was in a home ec class and I learned how to make clothing. And that's what I started to study after my high school years. I studied clothing construction and worked a little bit in the theater department in the college I went to. But yes, I've always loved clothing and I kind of always felt like I would be in that world. I just didn't know where exactly I fit in. But my vision of myself was like, I would be a designer of some sort. And then I discovered vintage just by loving clothes. It's like, that's where it all starts. And Salima, something I read about in your previous interviews was the significance of your experience living and also working in Paris. Could you tell us more about this time? I was also studying French and um, a lot of members of my family grew up speaking it. Like a lot of them are bilingual. And so it was just something that was always around me. I started to study it pretty early on and um, speak it. And so during my university years, I did an exchange program and I was over there for a year and I was studying history and French at the time, but I really you know, I love fashion. I love clothes and more specifically, I love vintage clothes. So I found this internship at this vintage shop near Barbès in Paris and they took me on and I, you know, it was like this very loose thing, but I ended up staying there for the rest of my time. And it was such a great learning experience, not only through the lens of language, because I really felt like that's really where a lot of my kind of language skills became better. But it was just culturally, it was so eye-opening to me, just, you know, dealing with customers on a daily basis and kind of how that works in a different country. And the taste is different and the type of vintage is different. And it was such an incredible learning experience. And I learned so much about European vintage and kind of how dealers work there. It's, it's, little bit different than how they work here and how they network and things like that. Um, so it was, it was really educational and fabulous. I mean. And how did you and Roberto meet? When did those paths cross for you? Wow. This feels like, well, it kind of feels just like yesterday, but it was, I think Roberto, you were 19. It was like 20. Yes. 21. We were so young and I was like just finishing up university and I was like kind of trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. I maybe, you know, was thinking about moving back to Paris and I started working for this small shop and Roberto came in and mm-hmm. we were looking for like a male buyer. And I was like, this guy has so much style. He's kind of just like this star like we should hire him and I think they gave you an interview after that yeah so I discovered this shop later on 
like after I graduated high school and I had started thrifting in high school, like for myself and also to like make extra money. Like I did eBay, I, you know, I did all of that and I discovered the store and I was like, so blown away about the concept. I was just like, Oh my God, you can like buy something for this price, but then sell it for more here. Like I was just blown away. And yeah, that's how I met Salima. And she was my manager <laughs> at the time. <laughs> and it, it kind of like, you know, like like-minded people when they meet, it kind of sparks something within us. And we're like, wow, she taught me so much. And it was really nice. So now that we know a little bit about you, I feel like we're ready to delve into the story behind your beautiful store, Desert Vintage. And I believe the boutique existed under different owner and has actually had a rich history before. So I wanted to learn about how you found it. And maybe you could start by painting that picture of its original state. So I discovered the store when I was doing costuming in high school. So I became familiar with the original owner. Her name is Kathleen. And we were um, friendly. She was really wonderful. And she ran, it was a vintage store, but it was also like a costume store. So she, like one of her big kind of seasons was always Halloween and she would make you know, all these costumes. She was also, she also sewed and made a lot of her own clothing and she would sell it in the store, but they were really wonderful, imaginative costumes and they were hung um, from the ceiling and on the wall. <laughs> and it was an outside, like she would hang them on the porch. So yeah, so it was a costume and vintage shop and she started it, I mean, in the seventies. And so it, been around for a really long time. It was like very known in Tucson. Roberto and I did, like we worked together for about a year. I think that we kind of both always wanted to start our own business. And I really wanted to go back to Paris and Roberto went with me and we were over there for a couple of months, just trying to figure out what we wanted to do. And we were kind of just bopping around. And finally we came back to Tucson for a little bit. And the owner of Desert Vintage was like, Hey, I want to talk to you. And she basically had this conversation with us and said that, you know, she was retiring. And if we would be interested in purchasing the business from her and, you know, we thought about it, but we didn't think too much about it. We were just kind of like, we should do it. Like, you know, it's just like one of those things where you don't really like put that much thought into it. It just felt like a great opportunity. So we did it and we bought the name and, you know, we bought the business from her and she also sold us what was probably like a semi full of black trash bags full of vintage clothing that she had collected since the seventies that she like, she just didn't know what was in there. And she was really transparent about it. Full disclosure. Like I I've been collecting these clothes, summer costumes, summer antiques. Like it's just a mashup of a bunch of stuff. And, you know, so we took a risk, like we didn't know what kind of condition the clothing was in and it just, everything was just kind of came as is. It was like at your own risk, go for it. <laughs> and 
So, I mean, to this day, I mean, we have a couple boxes left of that stock. Um, it took us like eight years to go through all of it and like unpack it and just kind of sift through it and see what was what was what. That sounds like a Pandora's box. Totally. My non-hoarder self definitely feels anxious hearing this. Definitely a hoarder situation. <laughs> But really, really fun. And it was like searching for treasures yeah, all the time. Um, I didn't know Kathleen prior to us buying the business, but I just loved how um, Kathleen saw herself in Salima. She said she had started the business at Salima's age and she like wanted to hand it down to someone that she saw herself in. So. It was a really wonderful exchange. And for me, it was totally new. Like I knew vintage, but I didn't know it. And the capacity I know it now, but at, at that point I was just like, oh yeah, something new I can learn. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> it's so wonderful that you've managed to help Kathleen and to keep that heritage or at least try to keep it of service to the community. So what did you do to make Desert Vintage feel like your own business? Did you have to gut the space out and like change the whole interior to start again? Or, I mean, the photos of the store that I've seen look so clean and so pared down. Did it look like that before? And, you know, what happened when you signed that contract, got the keys and got your black bags? Yeah, it was kind of like... Now what? Now what? Um, I think our, so, the first thing was, for, for me, it was like, take out the carpet. It's <laughs> like, we have to take out the carpet. It was carpeted when we first took over the store. And it was painted pink and green. We're like, I was like, we need to paint. We need to open up some windows. We need to change the carpeting. Um, but it was definitely a process. It, it came over time, like the, the huge transitions. And as well as our curation, the store grew up with us, basically. To your point, Roberto, I really do think that, you know, we were kids taking on that store. And I definitely feel like we grew up with the store and the store grew up with us. And we learned so many lessons, you know, like owning our own business, especially at like such a young age. There were so many learning curves that I'm, I'm just so grateful to have had and like continue to have because, you know, everything's kind of just a work in progress. But when we took over the store, we knew Halloween wasn't like costumes and things like that weren't going to be part of our business. And we always kind of knew, I think intuitively, the kind of direction we wanted to take with vintage. We wanted it to be a little bit more pared down, a little bit more selective. We definitely wanted to tell stories with our clothing um, before we could even, I think, explain that we kind of knew it. And it was apparent in how we were going about you know, buying clothing and building collections and building stories around them. We didn't have that much money starting out. It was just kind of like, okay, scrappy, here we go. We have a storefront, we have clothes, we're going to do this um, and we'll do it, 
you know, in a chic way, but like step-by-step. And so we were on fourth Avenue, which is like this historic Avenue in Tucson, full of small locally owned coffee shops and retail storefronts. And, um, what else is on there? Just like really cute restaurants. restaurants yeah. Um, little bars, things like that. Um, so we were on fourth Avenue for a couple of years and then we started to outgrow our space because our business start, you know, we started to encompass more than just a storefront. We really wanted to get into e-commerce pretty early on. And so we needed more space for storage. We needed more space for like a studio setting and things like that. Um, and so we just started to look for a bigger space and there was our dream space just a couple blocks over and a tile studio had it. And then one day Roberto and I were driving by it and he was like, Oh my God, like it looks like it's being vacated. Like the space we were always eyeing. And then fortunately enough, the coffee shop that kind of shared that building, we knew the owner and she was like, yeah, they're moving out and you know, I'll put in a good word for you. And so it's kind of a snowball effect. And we ended up moving into that space after a couple of years. And that was really where I feel like we were able to get our footing and establish kind of our identity of, you know, who we were as business owners, how we wanted to communicate vintage to the rest of the world and also be able to kind of run this multifaceted business. It encompassed all of that. And you mentioned growing your own taste and identity for Desert Vintage. How would you describe that aesthetic now and the stories which you're trying to tell through vintage? So for me, I feel like it's so much part of who we are. Like what you see is kind of like our story. It's like, uh, for me, it's like, that's how I want to be seen and what I want to wear and, you know, what I love at the moment. But it's always about how, where we are, like a place I think that definitely like touching upon what you just said, a sense of place has always kind of played into our business and more specifically who we are. We both come from a desert and our ancestry also like are like some parts of it are very nomadic and it based in the desert. And I think that, that has kind of naturally informed not only our process, but just kind of like our selection of clothing and the feel of our interiors. And it just has like played into so many kind of aesthetically relevant areas of our life that I I didn't really foresee that. Like it's not something that we sat down and talked about. It's just something that kind of organically grew and I think we organically kind of grew into it and realizing like who we are as people and just growing with that and and having a business grow with that kind of realization as well um is really is interesting it's interesting I think for aesthetics and um for business model too and you know we're in a place where I mean, there are obviously there are risks and things like that, but it's, it's also just a little bit more laid back. So I think we were privy to be able to take a little bit more risk as far as like growing a small business. 
Yeah, and able to hear your own voice. I feel like sometimes those bigger cities have a tendency to um, kind of lose yourself in a sense. Absolutely. But I don't know if you were ever lured in by popular aesthetics or fashion trend, like the classic example being something like the best-selling Levi's 501. Did you ever try to follow those market trends? Um, I mean, I feel like personally speaking, and you know, as a buyer too, I've always had very clear preferences for the better or for the worse. Like I think I'm a little bit hard-headed in that way. And I just really buy what I love. No, I was just going to say, yeah, I'm also not very big on trends, but as a buyer, I do um, love to see beyond and love to see the beauty in things. Um, Even to this day, to a fault where I'm Salima can hate something, but I'd be like, someone will love it. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> I'm like, someone will love this as long as I do. And um, I feel like when we first were starting out almost 10 years ago, I was really into a very like Western feel where it had a more rustic feel. And yeah. Like we definitely had a Western rustic thing going in the beginning and then it's now (laughs) very pared down. But like within that look, you know, there are things that are staples that like I'll love forever. Like I love for sure. I love like Western, um, like those pearly snapped like shirts, men's gabardine shirts. Mm Like you do it in a solid way and it's like solid, like you're able to communicate it in like an approachable, wearable, chic way that like makes sense to a lot of people. I think, you know, there's no harm in that. Totally. And I think our goal was always that we were going to present the clothing in an approach where it feels modern and not costume. Like you're in a getup of some sort, you're, you're basically dressing yourself in what you love. What about the e-commerce side of Desert Vintage? How did you go about realizing that side of the business? Today, I think it looks very visually pleasing and characteristic of the store and who you are. So did you have a plan for communicating that in-store experience to your customers online? I think we've launched the site a year into... um, a year into having the store. And I think, you know, over time, much like the business, we were able to really refine the site and refine the language of the website and really have it be a good representation of who we are as people, who we are as a company, et cetera. So I, I remember talking to Roberto about it and just really wanting the photography to be a big a big element it was just Roberto and I for like a couple years at the beginning and our friends would dip in and out of the store and they would watch the store when you know we couldn't be there we just needed a break and they were our models and they were you know our salespeople. they were our backstock people and it really just takes a village no no matter what you do um so Roberto just like one day, you know, we were like 
launching the site. And I was like, I really think you should take the pictures. And so we had this little room in the old store and it was, um, it was like this little built out room and it was where the window, like the only window to the street was. And so you would get this like direct sunlight and we started shooting there. We set up like a little piece of paper and our friend Eris would come by the store after school after she was done with classes and we would just like bring these little groups of of clothing together and shoot it and that's how we launched I mean much like the store there was consideration going into it but it was also something we had to do um financially to just keep things going so it was like okay we have a site let's let's attempt to take some some photos and you know, we hope it's not horrible. (laughs) Here we go. But it was, it was always clear to us that we definitely wanted to cultivate our own platform. And Roberto, how did you develop as a photographer with the launch of the website? So like I was saying before, I'm not like a taught, I'm like self-taught. And our, you know, what, you know, our goal is always to have a website, even when starting out, because, it just felt like the right thing to do. And also I, for me, I didn't want to be so, I don't want to be like a mom and pop shop and be behind the counter for, it works for people, but I just didn't want that for myself. So we were trying a lot of different things with the photography. We tried our friends. I think Salima took photos in the beginning too. Um, (laughs) I just always had a very strong opinion of how I wanted things to look. I grew up, looking at like fashion magazines and admiring all these editorials in Vogue and whatnot. And I just always just had a strong opinion about it. So I, Salima actually pushed me to do it and I did it and it just kind of came and I don't know. (laughs) I, yeah. And then I just had this like language with the clothing and And with the model, like I also love directing and, you know, showing the models how I want them to pose and what I want them to do because I can see it. I just need to like capture. (laughs) So usually towards the end of our conversations, I like to ask our guests to share thoughts on what growth and success mean to them. And this time also, I'd love to pose this question to you or a similar question. So when it comes to Desert Vintage, how do you perceive growth and how do collaborations with contemporary brands like Co, a Los Angeles-based line of luxury essentials or Brooklyn-based vintage store, A Current Affair, how do they play into your long-term vision? A guiding principle for us has always been growth through community building. So it could be through pop-ups, through bigger marketplaces like a current affair. And then if you have like relationships with designers who have ready to wear lines and you collaborate in some way, I think it's, it's not only kind of more dynamic, but I think it's just more interesting to an audience. And 
everybody wins in the end. It's like this really wonderful kind of circular way of thinking about business. And I, you know, with a current affair, that was something that really aided us in growth. Like I will forever be grateful um, to them for kind of introducing us to this larger vintage community. And we've, you know, we've kind of stepped out of it. Not only I think with more of like a visual identity for ourselves, but also friends in the industry. And I think that once you community build that way, it's, it's like, you're just, everyone is just stronger in the end. And I learned so much about vintage clothing through other dealers that have become my mentors through marketplaces like A Current Affair. So it was really a really, really interesting time in my life professionally to have been able to have access um, to older, very established dealers in the industry. And again, they were really forthcoming and generous with their knowledge. And it's, it was fabulous, really. There's still so much to be discovered in this meeting point of ready-to-wear and vintage. It seems really hard to remember now, but really not long ago, there were very separate crowds for vintage and for ready-to-wear. Yeah, it was, I mean, especially when I was working in Paris, there wasn't any overlapping between a ready-to-wear customer and like a vintage customer. And I was really able to see that kind of in real time when I was working at a shop, probably because I was in a major city and like you really kind of were able to observe um, consumer habits and things like that. So, you know, that was that. But fast forward like a couple years and all of my friends and especially like my friends who are who really love clothing and invest in beautiful ready-to-wear contemporary pieces also pay equal attention if not more to vintage pieces it's become kind of you know a way of dressing a way of living obviously much better for the planet so that's like a big positive from that trend too and the overlapping is so interesting i would have never thought in high school that it this kind of business would become like a serious kind of se- you know secondary market would become a serious industry within the clothing um industry and it makes a lot of sense obviously like you have the product and it's much more sustainable and you know healthier for our planet i don't think going forward there's going to be another way to consume i think that you know secondary markets are going to be here to stay and you know thank goodness and people are are going to understand the value in like a full circle a full circle product I also feel very optimistic about these recent developments in fashion because we've seen how customer habits can change drastically and for the better. And on this note, Roberto and Salima, thank you so much for being our very first guests to discuss vintage. It's been so insightful. Your curation is really one of a kind. So 
I'm really excited to see the realization of your next goal, which is your second store in New York, and to keep in touch for the future. So thanks again and best of luck. Thank you for listening to this episode of Advanced Copy. We believe in sharing practical information to help create a healthy world of independent fashion. Subscribe and follow us on Instagram to find more pragmatic stories of how to get there. See you next time.